0: Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're going to be finishing up um, the Theology of Medical Freedom. We're going to be finishing that up, and actually, for the most part, we really have finished up what we're looking at today. What we're going to be looking at is really this concept of, well, some resources, some good resources that are out there for you, and I'm going to uh, put some of these resources in here. In fact, I'm going to quickly go over uh, this I put this study together. Um, really, it was for vaccine exemption study, and it was one of those where th- there were times when the. Uh, the exemption uh, template that went out that they said you know you needed to uh, supply more study that came with it. We we want to know how you came to these conclusions. Do you have a document that shows that? And so I created just a small document. It's just uh, just under fifteen hundred words, um, and it has some scripture references. It has uh, some quotes, but it also is one of those where there were sometimes when people would have to go in and be kind of quizzed over. Um, do they really believe what they say that they believe? And they would say, hey, uh, you know, I really do believe this, but could you help me find some good answers to give in case that they would uh, ask me some questions? And so these are some uh, things that I came up with. And so I want to go over that, but then I also just want to go over some resources uh, that I have um, that I would really encourage you and point you to if you're looking, um, you know, to expand your understanding on uh, theology of medical. Freedom. Um I, I I'm not gonna promise this, but I, I kind of have an intention of writing some a series of articles and maybe doing some more with this on uh, medical freedom uh, and the theology of it, just to, to really get that out there and to continue building on this, because I really do think this is going to be a, a major thing, once again, going forward when it comes to COVID, when it comes to tyranny. And of course, this already was something that was used, and it was used extremely successfully to shut down churches and to really completely neuter the Christian voice within America and across the world. And so this is something that is extremely important to go over. Now, in this study here uh, of vaccine exemption studies, how I have it, but it's really a study of medical freedom. The first thing that I have is the purpose of government. And uh, we've already looked at this if you've listened to the series, so I'm going to just go over this briefly. But there are three passages of Scripture that I would really point you towards, and that's 1, Genesis 9-6. And it says, Or in in Genesis 9-6, excuse me, uh, we see the foundation of government with the establishment of capital punishment. Civil government was established with the purpose of punishing the wicked adequately and in turn then defend the innocent. Um, Also... Then the next one is Romans 13, 1 through 5. And this is really gives a prescription of what the civil government must do uh, if Christians are to submit to that civil government. Civil government must be a terror to evil works and not a terror to good works. They must bear the sword righteously, not in vain, and they must execute wrath on those who practice evil. Essentially, they must punish the wicked and protect the innocent. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses 13 through 14, we also see that the civil government is to punish evildoers and to praise those who do good. And so these are really three foundational passages of Scripture to understand, and it's ironic because those who would go and seek to take away medical freedom and a theology of medical freedom with the civil government generally point to Romans 13. And so I would really encourage you to understand Romans 13, uh, to listen to the the uh the the podcast yesterday which is a theology of medical freedom number 4 would really encourage you to listen to that maybe listen to it a couple times so that you can really understand it um if you want more resources on that um Dr. Mike Spalding has done some excellent work on Romans 13 um, I will try to remember to link that here. Also, um, there's a book that I'm going to talk about a little bit more later called The Doctrine of Lesser Magistrate uh, by Pastor Matt Truella, and he has done a tremendous job on Romans 13 as well as an appendix in his book. Um, and I also believe another book that I'm going to touch on, A Storm, A Message, in a Bottle, um, might touch on Romans 13 as well. Uh, perhaps an appendix uh, in difficult passages, but also um, for sure I believe that it's touched on um, in around chapter 3, maybe chapter 4 of the book, and so I, I would really encourage you to check that out. And the next thing uh, that I have in this study is uh, the spheres of government. And so here, once again, I list the civil government. Those verses are the same three passages that I listed before. Then you have ecclesiastical government, which you can really see this here um, in Hebrews 13, and uh, specifically verses 7 and 17, and then uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. Um, some passages that you should go and check out and to understand that and to understand that there there is, in fact, a church government. That's something that's really important to understand, that God did, in fact, put shepherds, overseers, uh, or we would call bishops, um, it, over a church in order to go and to lead the church and to set a direction and to shepherd the church and to elder the church then as well uh, to give it counsel. Uh, then we also see family, and the family government is seen in Colossians 3, verse 20, Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33, and Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And of course, there we see the husband and the wife in their relationship, that a wife is to go into respect her husband, submit to her husband, and the husband is to go into to lovingly lead his wife. And then we also see children, you're to obey your parents and the Lord. Now, there's a lot more verses on all of these things that I could be pointing out as well but these are just some quick places to go to if you need to go and to prove that there is in fact this government another one of course is self government the fourth one is self government uh, you can quickly go to proverbs chapter 25 verse 28 and also titus chapter 2 verse 6 and see that idea of self control see that idea of self government then and an understanding that if you need to go into cite that of course, if you want to know more about the the four governments, um, I would really encourage you to um, to listen to, again, the podcast of uh, a Theology of Medical Freedom number one. I believe that's number one in the series. might have touched on a little bit number two as well. But I believe I went most in depth over it in number one and might want to listen to that a couple times so that you can understand why it's important that we understand that there are these four governments. Now, concerning unlimited submission to government, because this is where people really seem to go and to push on medical freedom. If you're in the Christian world, if you're seeking a religious exemption, is that they'll go and they'll say, "But wait a minute, here you're supposed to submit to government." See Romans 13. Now they don't understand Romans 13, but if you need to go and they're they're still arguing on Romans 13. Here's some passages um, in. Some stories to go into, uh, to look at, and to point to, to show them that hey, if that's really what Romans 13 means, then it really contradicts the rest of the narrative of Scripture. So the first one is is Acts chapter five, verse twenty nine. It's it's better to obey God than it is to obey man. Now, they'll go and they'll, they'll generally adhere to that and say, well, yeah, there, there is the exception of preaching the gospel, because this one has to do with preaching the gospel. The apostles going and preaching the gospel, being told not to, and then going and saying, well, we're going to preach the gospel anyway. But then you can also point to the Egyptian midwives in Exodus chapter 1, specifically verses 15 through 21, because God blesses those who obey him out of fear even when that requires going directly against the civil government. And that's what they did. Um, Also, we see the people of Israel rejected Pharaoh's authority in Exodus chapters 5 through 14, where Moses is saying, let my people go. We go and we see that, that they're rejecting Pharaoh's authority, ultimately saying that the civil government doesn't have authority over the people of Israel. Pharaoh was being a tyrant. Then you have Esther in Esther chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. Uh, you know, she wasn't called in to go before um, the king there. She did just go and said and went before the king, risking literally her life to go and to save others. But that right there shows, you know, not having unlimited submission to government. Uh, also, um... You think of uh, Mordecai in the Book of Esther. He also uh, would not bow um, wrong, you know, and violate God's law in order to appease a civil magistrate. Uh, but accomplishing God's will at times requires direct disobedience to laws, even when the uh, even when the laws themselves, um, or even uh, e- even the laws themselves, not just. Uh, not just against uh, the the ruler, but even against the laws themselves. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter 3. God's law is higher than man's law, and God's people are required to obey it, even when it comes with grave consequences. They said, look, we're not going to bow down and worship this idol. You can throw us into the fiery pit. We might die. They didn't because God showed up. But they said, look, even if we do die, we're still not going to bow down and worship you. And they went, and of course, they disobeyed then a civil government. Daniel, Daniel chapter 6. Uh, and This is Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, fidelity to God supersedes man's laws. God's people are to have uh, ultimate allegiance to God and not to man's laws. And we see here even a law that was unchangeable, that when uh, the king realized that he made a bad law and he had to throw Daniel into the lion's den, he couldn't change it. And yet Daniel, even knowing the law, went and prayed, and he prayed publicly on top of that in order to exercise his religious freedom. And of course, this shows that they didn't believe in unlimited submission. To civil government. But one of the things that I've I mentioned several times, and this isn't all the quotes, uh, but this is several quotes uh, that I have, is that this is a orthodox position. This is something that people have believed um, all throughout history. Uh, you know, every one of the 12 disciples who Jesus, uh, God incarnate, ordained, with the exception of John—now, um, John didn't get off easy. He was boiled alive um, and survived. But they were committed to obeying God rather than tyrants unto their own torturous deaths by martyrdom. Um, they, they were martyred except for John. Now, John, of course, he they tried to martyr him. and They couldn't. So they exiled him to the island of Patmos. Um, here's a quote from the Magdeburg Confession. Talked about that a little bit here in the series. But in the Magdeburg Confession, it says this, Therefore, if now the leaders uh, or Caesar proceeds to such a height of insanity only in that order of natural knowledge, which governs the society of civil life and uprightness, That he abolishes a law concerning marriage and all chastity, and himself sets up a contrary law of roving unclean lusts to the effect that wives and daughters of all men are to be prostituted, and if he himself defends and prosecutes the law with force and arms so that certain death is laid down as the penalty for those who resist or fail to conform, in such a case, doubtless, no clear-thinking person would have any hesitation about the divine right in commandment that such a leader or monarch ought to be curbed by everyone in his uh, most wicked attempt, even by the lowest of the lowest magistrates with whatever power they have. Close quote. We see here this concept of going and saying, look, if there is an unjust law that is made, and of course, it gives an extreme example here. But if there is an unjust law, everybody, every magistrate, and of course, then even the people themselves have the right to go and to oppose even a king and a monarch. Uh, here's John Knox. Uh, he said this quote: "I will stand and uh I will excuse me. I will stand content for this present time to show that it is lawful to God's prophets." And to the preachers of Christ Jesus to appeal from the sentence and judgment of the visible church to the knowledge of the temporal magistrate, who by God's law is bound to the uh, to hear their cause and to defend them from tyranny. Here he's appealing to the fact that actually a um, ecclesiastical leader has the right to appeal to a civil magistrate and that magistrate has the responsibility to adhere to God's law. They can't go outside of God's law. Here's two quotes from Jonathan Mayhew. The king, first one, the king is as much bound by his oath not to infringe the legal rights of the people as the people are bound to yield subjection to him from whence it follows that as soon as the prince sets himself above the law, he loses the king and the tyrant. He does To all intents and purposes, unking himself. Think about that. What Jonathan Mayhew, who was a pastor um, just before the Revolutionary War in America um, in the 1750s and 60s, uh, he goes and he says, Look, a king has just as much responsibility to watch the rights of the people as the people do to submit to the king. So, therefore, to say, if he were to violate the rights of the people, which, by the way, unless you lived in South Dakota, your governor violated your rights in 2020. Just telling you right now, they violated the First Amendment in many places. Not just—I mean, not just in many places across the United States. I mean, many places in the First Amendment. They closed down churches. That was a violation of the First Amendment. They limited who could peacefully assemble. That was a violation of the First Amendment. They really crack down on free speech. That was a violation of the First Amendment. I mean, all these things here. In what Jonathan Mayhew goes and says here, this pastor, he goes and he says, look, they're unkinging themselves when they do that. Even a king unkings himself when he loses himself to the tyrant, when he violates the rights that God has given men. Another quote from Jonathan Mayhew is that he says this, they are more properly the messengers of Satan to buffet us no rulers are properly God's ministers, but such as are just ruling in the fear of God when once magistrates act contrary to their office, in the end of their institution, when they rob and ruin the public instead of being guardians of its peace, they immediately cease to be the ordinance and ministers of God and no more deserve that glorious character than common pirates and highwaymen." Close quote. What Reverend Mayhew is saying here is that when a civil government violates the rights of men, they are no longer God's ministers because they're violating the rights that God gave these men. And what they are is that they are better called messengers of Satan as opposed to ministers of God. So they're not completing Romans 13. This is straight from a sermon that he preached on Romans 13. Francis Schaefer, if you want to get into the 1900s, uh, when any office commands that which is contrary to the word of God, those who hold office abrogate their authority and they are not to be obeyed. And that includes the state. Close quote. So Francis Schaefer goes and says, Look, no magistrate has the right to demand something that is against God's word. And finally, Charles Finney, uh, he said this, unnecessary legislation is invalid legislation, unnecessary government is tyranny. Good things to remember to go and to see here that this is the orthodox position. I see that I've gone over my time once again here, so I'll just quickly mention these uh, here, and then I will tag them or, or put a link in the description here um, over uh, in the podcast on Substack. The first one is, is the book, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates, and you can find that at defytirants.com. This is a book. If you want to develop your uh, theology of medical freedom, this is a book you must have. It's a short read. It's a good read. It's by Pastor Matt Shuella. Uh Check it out, and you can get it at defytirants.com. they got a lot of good resources over there. Um, the next one— is the book, A Storm, A Message, A Bottle, uh, by Pastor Kerry Gordon, and uh, you can find this at enemieswithinthechurch.com and their store. I'll have the link there. Um, Another one you can find uh, in this uh, store is also Five Steps to Kill a Nation. It's a book that I authored, uh, and it's Five Steps to Kill a Nation and How to Stop the Bleeding, and though it doesn't directly go into medical freedom, it really does go into the importance of God's law inside of a nation if you don't have god's law inside of a nation if you forget god violation of the first four commandments um if you go and devalue life if you go and you destroy the family if you go and you take what isn't yours and if you hate your neighbor all of these things here are in the ten commandments uh and this book goes and describes this you're going to destroy your nation and of course all of this has to do with medical freedom because it's raising up what standard the magistrates have to live by. And the last resource that I'll leave you with here uh, is a um, series of blog posts uh, and articles by Dr. Kevin Baird, um, a, a pastor down in Florida. And uh, these are titled A Theology of Medical Freedom. Theology of Medical Freedom. I stole the name from him. Um, I I don't think he will mind. I I probably should have asked him. Actually, I didn't realize that I was taking the name. But uh, A Theology of Medical Freedom, and uh, I'm going to link number one, step one, the foundation of Scripture. Uh, But I I believe he's got uh, three or four on the topic here, and I would really encourage you to go and to read them as well. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. We can't overcome.